today is May 20th, 2019, and it's just, it's almost midnight. I was getting in bed and just uh, lying there watching some video on YouTube from some news uh, news analysis of something going on in Washington, and um, decided to get up and do a little audio diary because I'm processing working on this home study course for Lilith title to be determined. I've been doing it for, I don't know, 10 days and maybe a little, maybe a little less. I'm in an altered state every day because of it. Um, and I'm starting now or starting yesterday, about 11 days of fewer client calls so that I can focus on this and just kind of like relax. Um, what's going on is I'm channeling Ascended Master Jehudi that's his chem, or we would say ancient Egyptian name, also known as Hermes, Thoth, Saint Germain, Merlin. I'm channeling him on Lilith, which I've never done before. So it's 2019 right now, and I have um, been working on Lilith, asking these questions about Lilith since 2004. In 2005, I started to get some clarity. In 2008, <laughs> you know, I wrote this natal report, the blah, 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 start of the book. Um, live in the wild. Anyway, it was kind of a long process, but I thought a lot about Lilith themes, and I've channeled Jehudi a lot over the last 10 or 11 years, but I didn't, I just, this, the experience of channeling Jehudi, basically plugging that databank's knowledge about this archetype, combining it with my knowledge about this archetype, and then having this, what is essentially a very collaborative writing, uh, which usually I'm just writing what Jehudi says, and this is more collaborative. So that, that's, that's a new thing, and that's kind of, that's very different. But just hearing or reading <laughs> what um, this Ascended Master says about Lilith, it's, it's kind of blown my mind a little bit. Um, I mentioned it to my girlfriend a couple times. I put up two quotes on Facebook just to share little aha moments and things, but it's, uh, it's, I think it's going to be about the length of a book, but it's going to be divided into modules with channel meditations and questions for reflection and journaling spaced out. So not like a book you would read, but like a course of 10 or 12 modules or thereabouts. And you would say, I'm going to do a module a week or two modules a month, something like that and process the themes and work on the questions and really sit with it and let it unfold. When I recently did Serialia, that was every day a little bit, and it really kind of, for the people who reflected to me what their experience was, it really kind of dug into this, you know, space within them where they saw, you know, things about what love is, where it comes from, and their patterns of care and love and self-esteem issues and all kinds of things from their family history and boundaries and, and it was great but it was like it was like every day for a week and so I had to make sure that the daily texts were limited um, so that you know wouldn't take two or three hours or something but with the Lilith course you know so those were like I don't know I think one was 12 or 1300 most of them were 14 to like 17 or 1600 uh, words including the questions per day some of the questions would take you into a deeper place. 
But with this, I realized, yeah, there's no limit because this module, the intention is you're going to do one module at a time at your own pace. It's not going to be a daily thing. Like, it can't be a daily thing. You wouldn't have time to, to deal uh, with what comes up. So anyway, so these are longer modules, you know, three and a half, four thousand words uh, per module, something like that sometimes. And um, looking at the scope, like looking at how Jehudi's approaching it and how the sections are organized, how the modules are organized, it's just really interesting because it's just very interesting. I was trying to explain it um, to my partner today um, while we were on a walk in the woods and I was feeling altered, <laughs> also because my part part of my right ear is a little clogged. The eustachian tube is clogged from having a sinus infection that went into my chest a week ago, and then this is the end result of it. And that happens when I have the sinus infection like that. It always happens. And um, anyway, I feel um, off balance, and I'm my ability to understand things is a little compromised because my head's off off kilter. Anyway, so I was trying to explain to her. Um, how this is unique, and I think I was getting through, but I have—I was only able to tell her about the first three modules out of the so far ten planned modules. And um, like when I did the the Lilith book, I talked about um, what's going on in the world with patriarchal culture, where it comes from, like why humans are experiencing this, you know, and kind of like looking at cultural. Uh, religious uh, contexts for, you know, control, power issues about Lilith and how we treat the earth itself and how everything feminine is affected. And they're like essays in the beginning of the Lilith book. Um, and then I talk about the Lilith archetype and how to live in a healthy way with it. And this, I present this nine-stage process of moving through the archetypes, or moving through these stages of the archetype that I've, I've come up with. Uh, this is, doesn't exist elsewhere. It's just I've said, hey, this is kind of how we live this story. And this is where we get stuck and where we might, you know, retreat to and have a pause, you know, on a landing, so to speak, on a stairwell, like where we might be in a phase for a while. And um, what Judy, what Judy is doing with this course is... Well, one of the key things, I think I'm not going to release this audio diary until the course is out, until uh, the course is released, so it might be some months, and I figure I'll do it a couple times maybe, but, uh, you know, do a couple different recordings, but instead of saying, here is who Lilith is, um, you know, this is how you can live with Lilith in a healthy way, it starts with, the first module is, an end to shame. Stop being willing to feel ashamed. <laughs> so that's the first module. The second module is the Lilith and the myth of the patriarchy. So instead of saying, here is the myth of Lilith, which I did in the Lilith book, and I do all the time in my teaching and writing and, and videos, instead of doing that, he says, hey, realize that what you've been told about Lilith, like who you've been told Lilith is, that story, that myth, has been generated and told from within the fear-based confines of the myth of the patriarchy. So I'm going to tell you the myth of the patriarchy. 
and there's this, this is what one thing I posted on Facebook uh, this last week, uh, a few, I don't know, four or five hundred words, and it's basically what you could imagine, like, patriarchal culture shapers telling themselves, like, once there was a time when we didn't feel safe on the earth, we couldn't trust our, our mother who was the goddess, who was the earth, so we decided to take charge of our lives, and and it's just like this kind of, um, like a fairy tale that, like, you know, conservative, religious, evangelical people might tell their kids at night about how it used to be chaos, but now we took over and we built the world and put our name on it. And, and uh, so anyway, it's, just kind of, it's almost kind of tongue-in-cheek and it seems kind of innocent, as if like a, like a kid's fairy tale. Um, but saying the reason you have been willing to receive shame is because you've been singled out if you're a Lilith person and told from within the confines, the limiting fear-based perspective of the myth of the patriarchy, who Lilith is. Then the third module, so that just kind of is a very interesting approach to me. The third module, which is the one I'm almost complete with now, and I'm taking a kind of a breather I might work on it tomorrow morning, but I, I went over and edited it, edited it tonight and added words and shaved words and whatever, streamlined it. Um, but no, a lot, not a lot of new content came out tonight because it's been coming out every day, like once or twice a day for over a week, um, around a week. But third module is the world is a history of traditions. Saying, okay, great, now you're done being being willing to be shamed. Now you understand why you were told this myth of Lilith or why you were it's been modeled for you that women with opinions or people who stand up and are autonomous or vilified and you know worth shaming or whatever, worth pushing out of the group or whatever, that the group sees those people as a threat. Now you've seen all that. Now understand that the world that you have felt ganged up on by is a bunch of groups of people trying to tell each other these stories to survive, to try to figure out how they're going to be safe. Because they're afraid of what can't be controlled, and Lilith represents things that can't be controlled. People who live Lilith stories represent, I, you can't control me. I'm autonomous, and I trust myself, and I'll say yes and no when I need to. So, in the, in the third module addresses people who might feel overwhelmed by what's going on in the world. And Jehudi is saying, the world is made up of a bunch of groups of people telling each other stories because they're afraid of not being safe. So the world is made up of individuals. Groups are made up of individuals. And every individual is on this arc of change and evolution. So therefore the world can be changed. And also, how to heal Lilith issues is never through fighting the world. That's how Lilith people get burned out and feel ostracized and shunned and feel like they don't belong. It's not in fighting the world or fighting the groups or receiving shame and being angry about it. And of course, anger always covers over and is a response to pain. But the way to heal Lilith issues is to develop self-trust and self-respect. The next module, module four, gets into, I think it's called um, 
control, abuse, something else, and, and in quotes, me too. And that's going to get into, I perceive, I believe it's going to get into these actual kind of mechanisms of abuse and control and sanction and abuse and rape and honor killings and all general mutilation and all kinds of things that are, might be challenging to read about. But these first three, first three modules set the stage for a dispassionate, you know, thing about the patriarchy. Now we get into the kind of real things that have happened to Lilith people. And again, framing it in this context of what's come in the first three modules. So the reason this course even began is because um, I had scheduled, so now you get your, your backstage pass here, your behind the scenes pass. I had scheduled a Lilith Healing Intensive for April, for just about six weeks ago. Um, and I had the outline, and I knew what was going to happen. Like, I'd taken all my notes and done my homework and meditated on it and looked at what the energy work was going to look like and uh, had no interest in it. I've done four healing intensives, and I think one had five, but all the others had six. Uh, and the limit is six people. So, um, I could be wrong about that. They could have all had six. But anyway, no, no, the first one had five. Um, so... You know, when I do these things, they're, you know, relatively speaking, if I fill them, that, that means they're popular. People want to do them. People travel from other continents. You know, several people have to do this. Um, so it's a special thing. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I specialize in the Lilith thing, and I can do this intense energy work. And, and um, yeah, I'll do that because I love that topic. I love seeing the light bulb go off for people. I love it when they process and relieve things. And... For four days, I can handle whatever comes up. It's a four-day event. And there was no interest, and I thought, and I kept meditating on it and, think, and feeling into it and asking for guidance and saying, okay, is it the timing? Is it um, the title? Is it the cost? Is it the geographic location? Like, what is the variable here that says this isn't going to happen? Because I could feel it wasn't going to happen, but I was so invested in it. And Lilith is such a popular topic. Um, I've been specializing in it for years, and I'm like, you know, I think people, some people must see me as the Lilith guy or something like that, the guy who specializes in that. Also some other things, like Pluto and Chiron, but um, but a lot of work on Lilith, and um, people, people know me for that. So I was sure I could fill this and no interest. And then I had one person who expressed interest and said, you know, soon I can put down a deposit. I just want to let you know I'm really interested. And I wrote back to her, great. And then before she uh, did that, I wrote her and said, look, it's off. Because I had this, because I kept asking, what is the deal? And I finally got clarity one day um, from a guide of mine I don't often talk to. I live with Ascender Master Jehudi and Archangel Metatron almost every day. I mean, Jehudi every day. Metatron most days, but they're not really my guides, and so sometimes I need to step back and allow these other frequencies to speak to me, where they're actually like my official guidance team. I don't talk to them every day. I know that my intuition is shaped by them, and I get nudges here and there, like I know that they're there, but um, 
yeah, I don't focus on them all the time. But I was um, working uh, somewhere outside the house, like at a coffee shop, and I was focusing on this, and I got an answer. And the answer was, well, I was like, what, you know, what, what is the block here? Because this is something that, you know, I'm passionate about, I'm really good at, and I can handle. And um, the answer was, do you, do you really want to be in the middle? Like, do you really want to be the res- on the receiving end of a bunch of people's, like, painful abuse and pain and rape stories? And I was like, well, I guess part of me does. I'm good at it. <laughs> but so my guide was like, do you really want to be dealing with people's, like, abuse and rape stories? And I was like, well, I'm good at it. <laughs> so um, the guide was like, why is it so important? And I said, well, it's only for four days. I can handle it. Like, I don't absorb energy. I can hold space for that and unfold it. And the guide was like, why? Why is this so important to you? And I heard a part of me from the unconscious, from another life. Answer, I don't know if it was this succinct. But basically, I saw that this part of me was working super hard. Like, I'm working hard because this part of me wants to prove that I'm worth the love of the goddess. And that was a revelation. And I saw in that moment that the reason to do a Lilith Forte healing intensive is fear-based. It looks like it's love-based because I want to help if I can. But in fact, it's fear-based. And that is why it couldn't happen. So I saw that the reason, this is this part of me who spoke from this other lifetime, was doing penance for patriarchal sex. Feeling bad about essentially taking advantage of women sexually in some other lifetime, or other lifetimes, probably several, I mean, maybe many. And I saw it, and it kind of stopped me in my tracks, and I had a peaceful acceptance, aha, this is fear-based. I'm Part of me is trying to prove that I'm good in the eyes of the goddess, so I will help women. So the guide says, can you let that go? And I said, yeah, because I was totally humbled. It's, it stopped me in my tracks. And I said, wow, oh, okay. And I just paused. And the guide said, well, let's keep Lilith-related income for you passive. So I came home. I, mean, I emailed my girlfriend this whole long email. I kind of wrote out the dialogue and wrote it to her because I was like, you know, it was cool to talk to that guide, but also I had been telling her for two months probably, maybe longer. I'm trying to figure out why this isn't happening. I want it to happen. It's important to me, but it feels like it's not happening. I don't know why. So anyway, I got the answer and I emailed it to her. When I got home, I was like, whoa, isn't that cool? And she said, you know, when you talked about doing this intensive, I said to you, maybe you should do a home study healing course. <laughs> and I said, why did you say that? She was like, I don't know. It just intuitively felt right. And, and I said, I don't remember that. 
right? Because I was fixated on doing this. So I wasn't open, and I don't have any doubt that she said that. I believe her, you know, I trust her memory. So I was sitting there just kind of realizing, wow, home study course. So I've had it on my list. So I canceled that probably in, I don't know, like January or February. It was supposed to be early April. And I've had it on my list, like on a calendar event that kept getting pushed back. L healing course question mark? <laughs> you know, I do that all the time. I have lots of stuff on my calendar that I'll push back and be like, oh, book idea, this or this course or, huh, yeah. you know, always plotting and scheming and feeling into things. And um, I, I made some notes. I took the notes that I'd made for the Lilith Healing Intensive and I kept going over them. I mean, you know, every couple weeks or something, I'd look at them to see if I had an idea or felt like an intuitive opening or something to, to trans to translate that into a healing course. Um, and then I had another idea uh, recently, and it was going to be in three modules, and I had so I wrote that out. And then um, when I came back to revisit that, I just saw channeling Jehudi in the similar way that I did for Serialia, the festival of series that I did in April with these modules and daily work. And I was like, no, but they have to be longer. Anyway, I just sat down and made a map of what it might look like, including the list of channeled energy work meditations that will be included that are really, you know, really add a lot of, a lot of, uh, potential for healing and a lot of, uh, I guess, a lot of value, but a lot of like juice to the course. It's not just reading a book uh, in segments. It's um, transforming through the book and the questions for reflection, but also these channel meditations where you have the chance to energetically move things or move energy, move emotion and heal things and plug in gaps and clear abuse energy and all kinds of, you know, clearing all energies of sex from all lifetimes, like all kinds of interesting things. So I mapped all that out, and then uh, it just started coming out. And so since then, you know, I don't know if it's a week or 10 days, I've been altered because I have Judy's databank plugged in. And when I feel clear, I'm able to just type and type and type and type. <laughs> it's type and type and type. With Serialia, I was on deadline, and I was managing a bunch of things, including, I think it was 24, 24? or 26, 24 mini readings on series, 20 minute MP3s to change gears and do that, plus my normal sound bites and needle reports, plus my client load, and uh, you know, all the things I do for my business, website updates, accounting, like all the things, and so it was a lot of juggling with Seriali and I was on deadline. For this, I'm not on deadline. I'm just uh, letting it organically come out, and it's actually coming out pretty quickly. You know, as of today, it's three modules are first draft status, except like the questions for two of them, but like the bulk of the text is out for, for, for all three. Um, and it's like 13,000 words. It's like, it's a lot. And there's an, there's an introduction as well. There's a short one from me and then a longer one from Jehudi about what the course is for and how to use it and where it comes from. But, but yeah, it's like, it's like coming out and I'm more able because of my own, where I am in my own process to get out of the way quicker and just type, type, type. And, uh, but I noticed Judy's using my ideas 
weaving in my ideas, that's why it's a collaboration, instead of just doing a lecture or something of what Jehudi would say, it's really a merging collaborative thing and it's really kind of amazing. So I'm going to stop this audio diary, but so I'm just was laying in bed like thinking I was just going to sit there for a half an hour and process so I might as well get up and note it for the record so you 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 know potentially could hear some thoughts on it all right that's it today is May 28th so here is installment two and I've been working on the working on the document and um, it's getting into the it has been getting into the place for maybe four or five days where I'm feeling a little more challenged than usual and this whenever you whenever I work on a channel document or I'm preparing a course it's going to involve a lot of like healing work or channeling work or when I have to hold space for other people for their processes, I always go through my own process. So before like a four day intensive, uh, and even when I teach the, the two, you know, the very brief energy as many as energy course, I, I always go through my own thing. So, um, if it's just a straight up astrology class or whatever, I don't, but anyway, so it's starting to get into that territory where that's a little challenging. And I noticed kind of being avoidant and kind of dancing around, working on it for a few days and or for a couple days and in the meantime I reorganized something and kind of like anyway kind of restructured some things and like added a few notes for for different modules but um when I finally did um this morning I guess yesterday morning on the 27th it's like 5 a.m right now as I've been up since three um because I had a dream that confused me <laughs> and so then I wake up and I can't figure out what's going on. And then it's like, I can't just go back to sleep. This happens all the time. And this had to do with um, some kind of medical facility. <laughs> Dear Diary, you'll never guess what I dreamed about. Um, some kind of medical facility where there are all these bays that could be converted to different <laughs> things. Like different purposes. And there are all these different medical, not tests, but like services that, right, and it was like there was a problem in this world, in this facility, where they were being underused, and so there was some survey, and so they were asking, I had to fill out this survey with like a bunch of check boxes and these like, if I had been trained in this, but it wasn't all medical stuff, so I was like, what the hell, this is like some kind of medical thing, but they're asking me all kinds of random questions. Anyway, so in the dream, I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. I'm not even sure why I'm there. I don't know I'm dreaming. I wake up, and I'm like, oh. So then I'm aware of my body. I can't go back to sleep because I don't understand. My girlfriend has practiced lucid dreaming, and I think that I'd probably benefit from that, but whatever. I just, whatever. I So anyway, so I've been up for a couple hours, but... Yesterday morning on the 27th, I just got out of the way. Like, what happens when you're a channel is that if you're if you're conscious of what you're doing, which is termed semi-conscious channeling, even though you're fully conscious, I don't know why they call it that, 
as opposed to trans-channeling when you don't know what's going on. Like Edgar Casey was a trans-channel, I'm a semi-conscious channel. So I'm like following along and watching the words get typed, right? I'm watching the, the text get created in the word processing, right, in the Word doc. Um, but anyway, if you're challenged, if part of you is triggered or your buttons are pushed, you, you might not feel open. You might, you know, I've had this before with a lot of different things and in various ways of overcome it and gotten around it and brought the material through. So I did that yesterday morning and it was a little challenging and it had to do with, um, I guess I feel like I can say this because it's, I'm only going to release this when the course is released or right before, but there's a section where Judy's saying, consider that like regarding control, trying to control Lilith people, trying to control people who don't conform to the group's norms, how that control is actually the people who are trying to control the little person actually have to test how much they need and there's an escalating process. Like how much do, okay, can I just tell you to not do that thing? Oh, well then you keep doing it. So let's see, let me try to be angry and tell you not to do it. <laughs> and then you keep doing it. So let me, you know, try to shame you privately. And then if that doesn't work, I'll shame you in front of our family or the group. And if that doesn't work, then I'll, you, you know, it's like this escalating thing that leads to like sexual violence sometimes, violence, abuse, sexual violence, at rape, sometimes, you know, honor killings, right? Sometimes what's called an honor killing, murder. So anyway, so this escalating thing, and he was like, consider that the people who have to do that, who feel that to uphold the patriarchal structure, that they have to do that to their loved ones, consider, you know, basically how shitty that is like consider what a terrible way to live right to invest in this philosophical outlook that requires that you harm someone you love if they don't conform so there's that and then he goes but then consider the divorce from the goddess which is what had to happen this like attempt by humans to separate themselves from nature mother earth goddess cycles of nature right which is explained early in the book. So, or early in the course, it's explained early. Um, consider that, you know, in that juxtaposition of, I love you, but I have to hurt you, consider that you, um, that masculine people who feel separate from the goddess, because they've, cho they've kind of aligned with or allied with the mental energy, which is kind of what patriarchy focuses on doing. If you're a masculine person, you should do that, right? So you can control things, whatever, um, and not allow these nonconformist influences to ruin everything that you're building and putting your name on. Again, that's explained too. But consider that the masculine-minded people will put on the feminine-feeling people the prospect that that the god that that the feminine person could bring the goddess's love like could bring the love of the goddess so the masculine person could feel reunited with the goddess which is a craving so that's what was coming out yesterday morning that the, you know you love this person and like this is your your daughter or your spouse or your sister or something your cousin your aunt whatever your niece but you, or even a parishioner or a congregate or something, right? 
but you also see the goddess in them and you crave reconnection with the goddess. So again, what a way to live, what a shitty way to live. So I kind of did that part in the morning and that was fine. Like I've kind of was like, okay, I got through this a little bit. That's fine. I didn't have any emotions coming up, but I had this image when I was typing that that was fleeting. And then when I was doing more on it and also on sexual violence and this whole thing about how the attempt to control escalates to can escalate to abuse and punishment and horrible things that, you know, frankly are hard to deal with and hard to read about, let alone get inside an ascended master's head who is clinically uh, talking about all these things, you know, in a way that can help us create some detachment to see it clearly and then open a door to actually feel the feelings and grieve and honor the feelings, whatever, let anger and feelings come out. So the whole text is designed, it seems very objective and clinical, but it's pushes these buttons and open these doors for the, for healing to happen. And all channel material tries to change your consciousness, and in Jehudi's case, he's, he, she, it is always trying to, you know, open the door to healing. But anyway, so at night I was working more on it, and I was typing out more, not just reorganizing, reorganizing things. And I, felt, I saw this image the whole, like, for 10 or 15 minutes when I was typing this stuff about control, abuse, punishment, sexual violence, whatever. He's also talking about, like, archetypes and pornography, of like young and innocent seems to promise that the goddess will love you. So if a masculine person can seduce a feminine person who seems young and innocent, like hasn't been tarnished by like whatever ruined by the world or whatever, then, um, you know, then the goddess will love me, whatever. And then if then the other version of it is the woman who either isn't innocent or won't accept you, then there is this like conquering thing that happens because then you take your anger out on a woman because you hate the goddess for not loving you, but you divorce yourself from the goddess and you're in pain. This is this is my job. <laughs> anyway, so I was, I was chatting all that. That was fine. Like I've I've talked to Judy before about this stuff and I've even written my own book of erotica to work some to work out some of my own like stuff in my own head and heart and it's satirical it's funny but like it worked just worked out some stuff about like versions of masculinity that are hard or just hard to deal with if you're a heart open man but you you know have a strong mars energy how do you find models in the culture of like healthy sexuality so anyway so i've worked on this a lot but then that image was in, oh, this is the image was in my head the whole, this 10, 15 minutes when I was working on this stuff, maybe, maybe longer. And it was of a, it was of a man who was, and I was kind of like, uh, I don't know, let's see, like, uh, I was like 20 feet off the ground, so to speak, observing this from above, from an angle, not straight on, straight above. And this, and this was a man, but there was like a whole extended family and they were at the door of this like barn or this structure where like, you know, hay and animals might be. And, um, this man was in charge of essentially sanctioning or trying to set straight this young woman I'm presuming was his daughter 
is his daughter. Could have been a niece or something, but a cousin. But anyway, this person was kind of like the patriarch of this extended family. And say, say he's about 50, he's like balding. And um, he's in, he, he has this responsibility for the health of the other people in the group and the cohesion of the group to attempt to set this person straight to get her to behave. And my, my sense of it was that she's un, she's young, she's unmarried, and she may have been like, you know, whatever, like rolling around in the hay with some neighbor boy or something. Like she may have been making out or flirting in an appropriate, in, inappropriate way or doing something unchaperoned. It was some kind of like this with a strict religious kind of, kind of under undertones. And, um, Anyway, it's just a moment. There's no action. Nothing happens. But there's this moment is hanging in the air of this is what he has to do. And I was like, oh, this must be an illustration or a ex- potential example showing me this, like, father figure who has to, like, discipline or something I don't know what happens because it's just a snapshot, but a snapshot, uh, discipline this loved one. And then I turned off the lights and I turned off the Wi-Fi and I put my computer to sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? I brushed my teeth. I went to bed. By the time my head hit the pillow, I was crying. <laughs> it's just kind of like in this space of basically from the door to the bedroom to my head hitting the pillow, which is, I don't know, nine or ten feet, suddenly I was like, oh, you know, it was like the emotion was starting to come up. And my partner was awake, and I was trying to be quiet because I didn't know if she was awake. And then whatever, little teeny noises, and so she kind of cuddled up to me, and I just, and as soon as she puts her hand on my back, then it just opens up. And so I cried, and the feeling was... Yeah, I was that guy. In some other life, I'm that guy who has to punish the daughter or the niece. And just how, not just how painful that is, but like it's the, it felt when I was crying like it was the oldest pain I've ever encountered. And I don't know where this fits on the timeline, but this thing about, when I say the oldest pain, I mean something that is so... I mean, if you just look at it, if I were looking at it as an energy worker, it would feel very stale and dusty and not fragile, but kind of delicate in its ancient, it's got an ancient feel to it. And so I can, you know, I can say perhaps this, you know, the way I'm wired, I might take on some collective issues and have my own personal issues. So it might be that I'm somehow, you know, it's my thing, but it's, um, relates to a larger theme. So it seems larger and older than this one life. But the thing is, it just runs so deep and it was so hard. And I just cried and I was like observing this. And I was thinking, you know, my conscious self was thinking, whoa, there's an unconscious part who is now conscious. (laughs) And I was thinking, this is like so old. I don't even know how to describe. So I just cried for a few minutes. I don't know, four or five, ten minutes. I don't know. And I was like, "What? what how would I describe this to her? Like, how would I?" And I 
didn't have the impulse to speak because this dude was just crying. And it was just this, like, deep sorrow. And it wasn't, like, the most wrenching, you know, tears I've had about some other life issue. That Not even close, but it was just, like, so... It was just so old. It was so ancient. It was. It felt like a core issue that was buried beneath and was a foundation for a bunch of other issues. And it was, you know, and I was thinking like, wow, this guy, like, I don't even know how to articulate what it is. So I just did that for a few minutes and she held me and then I said something like, okay, well, that happened. <laughs> and then she laughed and we moved on with our lives. But... I don't even, I think I told her a couple of things about what, what, what I had been channeling and that this image was there and here's the image, but yeah, it was just, it's just so old. It's just so interwoven also with a bunch of other issues anyway. Okay. Did you ever take a long look at your life and your choices and wonder if there's a point to going on? Did you ever find in yourself a place so empty that it scared you? Maybe you were afraid to admit that that place exists. Maybe its desolation made you think that admitting it's there would make it real, and then it would swallow you whole, and then you yourself would be nothing, forever. You'd be lost in it wondering if you can muster the energy to move even the slightest bit, like when your leg is falling asleep and you can't see the point in moving it back to life. Yeah, you know the needles will hurt later, but the nothingness and pointlessness of the present moment is crippling in its saturated fullness, its immobilizing weightiness. You can already tell there's no point in thinking about what might happen later, even if it's terrible and even if it can be stopped before it happens. If this sounds like you, come to Nevada. Nevada has every kind of nothing. In Nevada, you can match your inner desolation with an outer nothingness vast and incomprehensible, making your own nothingness less devastating to face. In Nevada, you'll feel there's an outside place in the world made just for that place inside you. Since we have every kind of nothing, you know you'll find the one that does the trick for you. Once you feel that desolate harmony, you'll pick yourself up and move on. You'll get back to living life to its fullest. Or, you know, maybe that could have happened to someone along the way, maybe. But here in Nevada, we don't usually get anyone's hopes up. Nevada, every kind of nothing. Today is June 3rd, 2019, and I'm still, obviously, I'm still working on this channel document. I have to um, pace myself because it is pushing a bunch of different buttons, and it's, but different buttons from, like, different issues and different, like, things and different lifetimes and different aspects and avenues of, you know, patriarchal imbalance and family issues. It's, like, tr all these different angles, and, um... Like, it was hard to get to the parts about um, 
sexual violence and but that's true always when I'm doing channeling or whatever like it's kind of on my list to teach about because I have some perspectives that might you know that seem to be helpful to people and but again my stuff gets triggered and it has to get it's like the the whole lake gets dredged you know and all this stuff is up and um, so it was kind of hard to do that, and I danced with it for a few days. I danced around it, and then I went into it, and then um, I channeled some, and then I took some time off, and then I channeled some more. But there was like this thing under the surface that was like um, I couldn't see it. And I had my girlfriend do some energy clearing, um, just whatever it was, and I was giving her keywords, and she was looking for stuff. And, and it, it did help when like anxiety was up in my chest, and I felt like I was going to have a problem like my lungs were having a problem and so I've been working on that and I'm um, using crystals of course to try to ground and stuff but really the saving grace has been the energy work that she's been doing on me um so um then today and so then for several days business was almost ground to a halt and I know that when that happens it's um a cue for me to work on something, rest, heal something, take a few days off, fast for a day or two, or, you know, something, like, focus on, like, taking walks and, like, not thinking, and, um, but I could also feel this stuff, these variety, this variety of things being triggered from under the surface and kind of not having expression, and, and during those several days, uh, I kept doing, like, oracle readings with this, <laughs> with tarot cards, and the answer kept coming up, well, you have to deal with this sorrow and this grief and this unhappiness or whatever. Like all the like sad sword cards and hermit and whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, actually the first day in the series, the card was death, which I've never gotten as a card of the day. The idea of something going, something really, you know, major kind of passing away and into a new phase. You have to clear this stuff out to... That was the first day in the series before I realized that, like, you know, there were no orders for anything almost. And, like, a, an ebook for five bucks, you know, something like that. So, um, then last night I was getting kind of frustrated because I couldn't, I couldn't open the emotion. I, I knew something was there, but I could, I wasn't feeling anything except frustration because things were slow and I have plans. I need to spend some money, and so I needed money to come in. So, you know, um, and so I, was, so I was asking the tarot deck, like, what can I do to shift this? And it was all those, like, sad sword cards. So, so anyway, I was kind of frustrated. And um, and then last night, uh, my, my, my girlfriend told me she called her dad. Tomorrow is her birthday, and he sent her a card. So she called him, and they talked. And, and um, she said to me at night something she'd never said before. She... What about her childhood? She had said stuff like, you know, he was very critical. But she told me some of the things he had said or would say. And I got angry. I got really angry. And um, I know that we all create our own experiences, but I feel protective, you know, of her. That's what I thought it was. So then this morning when I woke up, I just had to, like, I felt like I just had to hold her in a certain way. And it was like, it was like holding her to me as opposed to like, spooning or cuddling or something I had to like so anyway so when I was holding her that way I just realized I just want to you know I just want to protect her and so we taught I said you know I didn't know that specific thing that any of those specific things that that you said and and I just said you know it makes me angry and I and I don't like bullies and I have a problem you know so we started talking about that and then I just saw that like this Lilith material what it's triggering when in a very deep way more than anything what it's triggering is 
my own other life shame and guilt about pressuring, like at least this is first phase, at least for now, this is what it's triggering. Um, pressuring women, abusing women, uh, in order to, as the document explains, try to keep the group healthy. This outlier is chaos. So I just, finally the emotion came out and I cried because I don't want to hurt people. And if you know me in this life, you know that I have problems with anger. Sometimes I don't know the right way to be assertive, which is part of having problems with anger. They're like too extreme, you know, being assertive is a healthy middle ground. Being passive or a pushover is one end of the spectrum and being defensive and aggressive and angry is the other side of the spectrum. You want to find a middle ground of, of healthy self-assertion where you don't feel like you have to be on the defensive, but you also don't feel like, or so therefore controlling of others or whatever, but also that you don't have to feel like you should fear that others will control or hurt you. And I'm just, you know, it's a lifelong exercise um, for me with Mars and Uranus in the first house, square the nodes in Libra. And um, so I know, I know all these things about myself, but in this life, I've been bullied. And there are even uh, incidents from childhood that I'm not over. I'm not done yet. <laughs> I'm not done being angry about being bullied. And sometimes if I'm watching a movie or something and some person is being bullied, I get filled with adrenaline, right? So what's been, what came up this morning was the horrible feeling of having bullied others. Because it feels horrible to hurt other people. People seem to do it quite a lot, but it does affect them. And I just, you know, this thing about my girlfriend, her, her dad being critical in, in, a, in a way, and just, you know, I just, I don't want people to do that to each other. And I've, in this life, I've gone out of my way to try to check what I say and do so I'm not like that. And, I, and I, what, I, what I tell people when I teach is that um, whatever you're super committed to, it's a, like whatever you feel is like sacred or whatever you, however you might control your own behavior and choices to try not to have a negative effect or something. Well, we, we, we need to accept that over the course of millions of lifetimes, we're all over the map with all behaviors and all choices and all ways of being. So whatever you're super committed to, in some lifetimes you're doing the opposite and it feels crappy. <laughs> or, or, or you're doing it and it might get you something in the short term, but you know it's wrong, right? You, everyone has an ethical moral center. Everyone has an inner compass of what's right as far as like humanistic values. It's when we get up on our heads and we have some like, you know, bullshit dogma uh, from some fucked up religion or when we get afraid that there's not enough and we get up on our heads and we start competing with each other, that, that's where things get messed up. But everyone does have an inner moral compass. And so you carry residues of certain energies from different lifetimes that don't feel good. Like let's say that you're um, wholly committed to um, animal welfare. I mean, uh, preventing animal abuse, you know, that, that kind of thing. Well, in some lifetimes, you may be careless 
or just not aware of certain things and end up hurting animals. And it somehow hurts you. So now here in this life, you're like working hard in the opposite direction. And I've always known this about myself regarding Lilith issues. I've always uh, presumed that this is what's going on. Because it because it's just the reality of sexual violence and like people controlling each other and abusing each other and trying to force each other in little boxes and trying to take Lilith and force her into being this plasticized Barbie doll who is Eve, you know, socially acceptable, the, 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 the date you'd bring home to your family, that's Eve. Um, you know, I've just been really, this has always bothered me. And um, so anyway, that's my, that's one of my pendulum swings to try to, and, and it's my, you know, I'm not saying that I'm a wonderful person because I have these noble intentions. I'm like trying to heal something that feels really shitty. So anyway, some, some tears started to come out about that this morning. And then suddenly there were, you know, there were orders in my PayPal account. <laughs> it's like, it's like the pent up emotion, you know, and it wasn't the quality of whatever emotion it was, just something had to move in order for the things to open up and people to be able to get through and to feel that it was appropriate to send energy my way. So thank God for that, because my brain gets a little nervous. If, you know, if I can't access the emotion, but the key is to, like, I'm not feeling anything, so I don't know what I need to express, but the key to moving to moving things is to move the energy. It's just, I felt like I was kind of stuck in a little box. Yeah, so... Okay, I think that's it for today. Today is June 11th, 2019. And um, I, I had originally intended this <laughs> this audio diary thing to be a behind-the-scenes um, thing with some thoughts and perceptions and observations, but I do have to just kind of say that it's, I kind of need it to be a little outlet for therapy also, <laughs> or perhaps instead, you're the one who's listened to 50 some minutes of this so far. Um, the course is proceeding, it's the, the text itself um, is right now just almost a uh, well, it's almost 45,000 words, but that's kind of, it's kind of misleading because I took 9,000 words of the nine stages of the Lilith archetype from Lilith Healing the Wild from my book, and with a little commentary, I put, and questions for reflection at the end, I put it in as a module. So, so what is that? Um, 45, 36,000 words that I've channeled on this so far. You know, a channel book is going to be like 45 to 50,000 words or something. So... So this is not like the longest thing I've done, but it's just there are so many um, twists and turns and ups and downs and, you know, things being uh, pulled uh, out of me rather unceremoniously. Um, I uh, I don't think I've worked on anything that gets me so emotional as this. When I did the Goddess book, and I honestly can't remember if I talked about this in earlier parts of this MP3, but when I did the Goddess book in 2011... It was the third book that started to come out. Um, I was felt like a tube of toothpaste being squeezed, and it was a third channel book that started to come out, and I got stuck. 
And there are just a couple things in there. Basically, I didn't realize at the time, like in the moment, but I was being confronted with a need to um, give up certain ideas, heal some things, get into some little like crevices and, and um, nooks and crannies in my own emotional field, which I wasn't ready to do. And it sat half finished for months. I can't even remember how long. But then I met um, uh, my partner, uh, Jillian, and we just had certain interactions where we were getting to know each other um, during the summer of 2011, right after we met, where she looked into my eyes during this particular moment, and she got, her head kind of, you know, pivoted a little bit, and she said, oh, that's what that's what's going on. And she, saw, she says, you're the goddess. She sees the goddess in me. And that was like a turnaround from, you know, people saying, um, you know, assuming I was gay because I wasn't hyper-masculine, um, because I'm a good listener, because I care about people. <laughs> so, anyway, so that was a turnaround from, like, being otherized into being seen and loved. And, of course, I broke down in tears because that's, that's what I do. Uh, when I'm not helping other people cry out their own garbage that they need to get rid of, I'm doing it all doing my own but anyway when that happened then she went home a few days later uh she was visiting me before she moved in with me um she lived in another part of the country at the time and i was able to finish the book because i felt seen because there was like a healing in being seen so that was like that was like the most major thing so far about about you know having a barrier to something and then moving through it until this and it is like every other day, <laughs> every uh, maybe every other day, there's like some major thing I'm up against. But now I'm, um, uh, I don't know, I'm grounded, but I'm practiced enough at some of these, like holding space for some difficult emotions and fears and pains where it doesn't mean I don't ball my eyes out. I do almost every day, sometimes two or three times a day. I feel like right now I feel like I'm on the verge of crying too just because I'm going to express some of these things and it's just so important to me personally that these healings occur all the stuff about Lilith and the patriarchal imbalance and you know coming out of the masculine mindset and learning to balance not swinging into matriarchy because you assume it's better but just stopping the vilification of the feminine in all its forms one of the major things I realized this week is that I um, my entire life and this is where I might get emotional, but my entire life, I have lived through the lens. I've seen everything through the lens of this. And when you're aware of something that affects a huge population or is a global issue, and you feel like you can't do anything positive about it, you feel the pain in the collective. And this is kind of an, astrology speaking, this is like a 12th house thing. And my Pluto and Venus are in the 12th and Libra. So things that are unfair and unjust and imbalanced. Like, like, you know, and also sexual violence and, you know, patriarchal imbalances. That, that stuff has always been like the, the deepest set of triggers for me. But when you feel the pain in the world or the collective and you don't feel empowered to do anything about it, that just lingers. It just festers. And so I saw, among other things this week, my entire life has been seen through the lens of this. How people treat each other, how they treat themselves, what happens to people, uh, well, what happens to people. Um, 
how people's lives change after sexual violence or rape or abuse or incest or molestation or something, right? Uh, how people's lives change and how some get very defensive and some get very aggressive and some retreat and become isolated and hide. I feel the pain of all of those things. I mean, I feel the pain of somebody's anger that comes from pain. And so, and so what, I've, what I've seen this week is that, you know, like many people, I haven't um, had a sense that things could be better. Even if I teach that things can be healed and I try to offer, I don't know, energy work, meditations, crystals, healing, energy, whatever, try to offer like tools like the Lilith book, the Goddess, Goddess Past, Present, and Future book, um, the Lilith Report, you know, as I try to offer some tools like that, I realized that I never really believed that things could really get better. I was just like struggling to try. Like I'm struggling to bring something that might make a difference and I've been teaching some students and clients this thing about the 12th house where if you put something let's say you're aware of the pain in the world or in the collective or in a community and you feel disempowered by it well yeah that happens and let's have compassion for people who feel overwhelmed or who feel powerless to change something in the world like the capital W world right but you can endeavor to try to figure out how to put something positive in the collective conversation, like how to bring something that could be helpful in. And I think of it as if we're in the 12th house, we're, you know, with our relationship with the collective, if we are swimming in an ocean together or floating in a stream together, we can actually figure out how to put a helpful, healing, loving drop of consciousness, energy, effort, teaching, right? We can do that. And I and I haven't felt uh, directly in touch with any pessimism because it's only a drop. I've just said I have to have a sense that I can do something. I have to find a plug now for I'm out in public and the computer is low battery. Okay. Um, so you, you know I, I want to believe essentially that I can not go insane through sitting there feeling disempowered. So the sense I had this week in a couple of these passages from the, the Ascended Master, some of these passages, I'm like, seeing the context, the bird's eye view, the 30,000 foot view on where some things come from. For example, I think I may have mentioned this in another entry here, but um, earlier in the MP3, but um, one section is on the origins of sexual violence in the patriarchy. It's not called exactly that. I think it's called it's called understanding sexual violence. And Jehudi frames explains where this pain that turns into violence comes from. And just the way he explains it, I just had this sense of yeah, this it is possible to heal things when you understand what's going on behind behind it. And there was another uh, there was another section that where he talks about how well in start, when he talks about Me Too early Me Too movement early in the in the thing I think it's like the third module or something when he talks about that he says look you, you know some people thought it would be a blip on the radar or a fad you know other people saw that the world was going to change you know um, 
and even now, now it's June of 2019, and um, some people are kind of still hoping it'll go away. And Judy's saying, you know, this is the beginning of a, you know, several century process of the unearthing of the pain of the multi, multi-level, the layers, multi-dimensional layers of all your past lives, all what's going on right now. And he's saying that this is going to be happening for a while. But when he references later in the text, he talks about um, what to expect over the next few hundred years. He doesn't say it quite like that, but that's kind of the thing. He's like, he's like, look, every time somebody wakes up, they're going to be upset. They're going to be angry. They're going to feel ashamed or guilty or something. Now that you are learning how to heal Lilith issues for yourself, you'll be in the position to hold space for other people to wake up. He just paints this picture of... And it's not a prediction, but it's like a, it's not a prediction. He doesn't do predictions. He's basically saying, you are now uh, traveling, you are now proceeding along an arc of development, and that procession along the arc, that proceeding, is inevitable. And this is where it leads. So he says, this is what to expect as more and more people wake up, and that first emotion when they access Lilith issues, getting their bodies and their emotions and, you know, the first thing is going to be anger or, or shame, right? But we know anger comes from pain. And so it's just this instruction about what to expect over the next few hundred years. He says, this is going to last your entire life. And it's going to last for several generations after you're gone. And I just, to think that people, I don't know, I don't want to like get lost in being hopeful or something, but just to have that sense of him saying, look, it is inevitable that this must get healed. That makes me cry every time. That just really gets me going. And then the third thing I'll tell you, maybe there's more, but I think perhaps the last thing I'll tell you is the title. The title of the course is Loving Lilith. And the subtitle is An End to Shame. So Loving Lilith, An End to Shame. And I put that in and thought, oh, I love that. That feels really important to me. But maybe I'll revisit it. Because I always do that. I always like leave it open and maybe Jehudi has a suggestion or Jillian or I do. Or, you know, one, one of us may have a suggestion. Uh, Jehudi, Jillian, or Jacobs, right? One of us might have a suggestion. And then I'll weigh the feeling of it and the number. Sometimes we do numerology on titles and... And uh, I was looking at it the other day, I guess two or three days ago, and just just looking at the table of contents and the title and thinking about it and realizing that there's a part of me that is so aware of the density and prevalence and chronic uh, self-reinforcing habit patterns that, <laughs> that have to do with shame. I was realizing with this obje- objective view, wait a minute, Maybe I want that title because I hope <laughs> there, there can be an end to shame when it comes to Lilith and the feminine and the earth and women. Like Maybe I'm projecting that. And I sat with that for a minute and I saw that that's true, but then I stayed with it and I felt this, this vibration, this idea of like, well, the idea that's attached to this vibration that I was just describing, where Jehudi's saying, look, it's several hundred years. He's like, look, it could be 400, 500 years, where essentially this healing process opens and people 
come into their individuality and heal these things of themselves and support each other in healing. So you stop stop with this antagonistic approach that the patriarchy imbues and conditions you to have. And I realized that <laughs> for the next 50 or 100 years, this course should be subtitled An End to Shame. <laughs> Maybe in 200 years I'll change the title. So it's called Loving Lilith, An End to Shame. So I made a webpage uh, under the healing courses area, but I don't have a, a link to my home from my homepage yet because it's just kind of like a FYI, this is on the way, stay tuned to this space kind of thing, where I list the modules, the draft list of the modules, and just explain what it is. It's a collaboration between me and the Ascended Master, and it's about Lilith, and I have a graphic and whatever. Uh, so I did that because I've been aching to talk about it. And I've been telling telling Jillian about it, but I'm just I'm so eager to get this get this work out there. So right now the text is um, I mean, you know, 97% complete in first draft form. And I have been reading through it and editing and making changes the whole time. Because sometimes I can't keep working on a certain area, so I will, a day or two later, go back to a different area and just read through it and streamline it. So it's being edited as well, but it's not completely done. And uh, there are some questions for reflection I need to add. And a couple little, like, joints, you know, like, this section transition to that section, kind of ready to transition. And then the last, like, I don't know, four or five pages, right? So it's almost 100 single-spaced, letter-sized pages. It'll be close to 50,000 words, which is roughly 100 pages. Anyway, um, but then there's this list of channel meditations, and I haven't started on them. I can feel the first one uh, starting to want to come out, but logistically... Just there's so many noises where I live, and I'm working my schedule around my girlfriend's schedule because uh, we're in kind of a really small place, and my living my office is in the living room. So if she needs to cook, I can't record things. If you know, so and also just all of the ridiculous noises. Now it's summer, so people bring their kids outside to just scream endlessly, um, to just shriek. And I'm presuming run around in circles and throw things at each other. And anyway, um, summer means more dogs are outside barking too. And then there's a lot of construction always and trucks backing up. And I'm just bitching about it because it's really fucking putting a cramp on my schedule to get this course out. But anyway, so I have to kind of wait until like 10 p.m. if I really want to record things and with quiet. So if I need a channel, put earplugs in and record stuff, it has to wait. So anyway, so I can feel that first meditation, but I think there, uh, the draft list is, I think, six or seven meditations. Um, some of them include energy work as well. And so anyway, so that's the last component to really get going. Um, and I'm eager to do it. I'm ready to do that. So today's the 11th. I, anyway, I'll release it as soon as I can, as soon as I can get all those things done and finish the little bits of writing. But... I'm just so eager to get this into people's hands um, because I want I want others to know to understand certain things, right? And what the way Judy talks about it in uh, his introduction, because we he, I do a short one that he does a longer introduction. He says he says, look, as an ascended master, my job is to teach you stuff, but it's not enough that you have information. You have to understand where something comes from. So information coupled with understanding yields wisdom. And that's what this course is about. So I'm eager 
for as many people as I can reach who are interested in Lilith and healing these issues with the feminine and the patriarchy and, you know, abuse issues and all these things. Uh, I'm just eager to have, you have the opportunity to see what I've been spending my life doing these last few months that is so, that feels, it feels just so important, so... Okay, that's it for today, I think. Okay, so today is June 18th, 2019, and this is the last installment uh, in this uh, audio diary, and the course is released. Um, I released it late on the 16th, about 11.52 p.m., I was looking for a certain kind of a chart uh, to launch it and a certain kind of a, the moon being at a particular um, Sabian symbol degree. And um, yeah, so I did that. And uh, since then I've been kind of, my mind is a little gelatinous. I just have needed to rest. I've sat around a lot. I have done some calls, client work calls, and also um, teaching subscriber classes. Uh, but between those things, I've been kind of mushy. Actually, in the subscriber class last night, the third one um, out of these, I was doing mini readings on Eris for anybody in the subscriber list who wanted one. And in the third meeting, I, the last like 15 minutes before the call started, um, I made the charts and then somehow it felt like 10 or 15 seconds passed and it was 15 minutes. So when I got on the call, I had to like open the charts and do whatever. So it was a little scattered. And um, yeah, I've just been kind of sitting around and just feeling that some people have the course and that it's launched and that it can be in their hands and really thinking a lot about being passive regarding Lilith. So I can create a course and I can send it out in the world, like a Pluto, Venus, and Libra in the 12th kind of, you know, offering. Um, if somebody wants it, they can purchase it. But like, I need to kind of move on from being really distracted by all those issues. So anyway, the, the Lilith book, the Lilith Natal Report, the Lilith Healing Course are now all available and out there. And uh, it feels really good. Um, there are a couple people, two of the first people who bought it wrote me and they had been, they had done work with me through classes or um, ca uh, coaching sessions uh, over you know, the last several years, but I haven't talked to either one in, a, in uh, I don't know, a few months or a year. And um, each of them just happened to have something like the last few weeks and the other one was just the day before where something kind of came to a head and they were like, whoa, this is this this is what this feels like. And then the next morning they saw my email to my email list saying, hey, this is available. So they jumped on it. But um, I just know that in you know, just know that a lot of people are needing to, you know, get to this get to this this place where they can see into and behind what's going on and figure out how to heal it. This thing about me being passive, like I develop the teachings and then launch them, launch them, it's the process with Lilith is necessarily individual. And I'm, you know, it's important that any individual drawn to that work understands that no one else can lead them into it.
and that's emphasized in the course itself in the in the text um, anyway so I'm I'm really happy to be able to to put bring into form something like that and offer it and I'm still I still have tears each day I still get a little emotional just thinking about the enormity of the imbalance and how, like I said, I think I said in an earlier entry here in this audio, just realizing the the impact of my whole life seeing the world through that lens of the cultural imbalance and the shaming of the feminine and how how difficult that is and how I kind of respond to that and how I just am very acutely aware of like you know how it affects a lot of people and. So I'm going to relax a little bit, and I'm going to rest, and I'm going to promote the course and make sure people know it's available and put feelers out there so people can, you know, or tendrils out there so people can find it when they're ready. But I'm really, I'm proud of it, and I feel like it's, like, it's one of the most important things I've done in this, in this work. And I, I really feel that it's just like a really, just kind of a, kind of a moment, you know, kind of a, a moment. Okay, well, anyway, if you've heard all of this, um, thanks for playing. <laughs> thanks for your time and energy, and you can check it out. It's got its own page under the Healing Courses uh, page, but you can check it out at tdjacobs.com. And uh, there's a thing on the homepage as well, like a, one of the little graphics, and you'll see the Terracotta Lilith's face with the Loving Lilith title in there. Um and also see what else I'm up to at healingsuicide.com as well, my other site. All right, take care.